right, hello and good evening, everyone. It's Kevin Finkel here. Welcome to the 19th episode of Magic the Final Frontier. As always on this podcast, we'll be discussing the Frontier format to keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Frontier. And I'm Kevin Handlin, host of the Untap Open League and Frontier Grinder. And we have a very special guest on the show tonight, someone that we've been trying to get on here for a while, uh, Ryan Schwenk, a Frontier lover, calling in tonight from Tokyo, Japan. How are you doing this morning, Ryan? Konnichiwa. <laughs> hey Ryan Alright Ryan, welcome to the show uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to start here for our audience um, I'd like to know just some general things Like when you started playing Magic what it ha- Why it is that you're living in Japan right now And what your history is with Frontier So uh, I started playing Magic back during Revised uh, One of my older friends back in my old neighborhood got me started and my first, nice. my first uh, constructed event, or not constructed, but competitive event was uh, Ice Age, back when they still had the starter decks. And uh, wow, Oop, yeah, yeah. So I, I played all the way up until uh, Tempest and Stronghold. You know, just collecting, playing with my friends, and rather basically kitchen kitchen table magic. And then uh, mm-hmm. I didn't play for like ten years after that. Uh, you know, I went to went to school, went to college, uh, ended up coming over to Japan to uh, teach English, and um, it wasn't until, I think, 2010 that I got started playing Magic again, so I missed, like, all the, the good cards from, like, Ravnica and whatnot and Mirrodin. Oh, but you got returned to Ravnica, which is yeah. almost better. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, ended up, uh, I got back in. I mean, I, I did play, like, a lot of the... Uh, how do I say, pre-releases for, like, Shards and, uh, uh, you know, Rise of Eldrazi and stuff like that, but I really didn't get back in playing until I came back to Japan in 2010 uh, from my first stint, and uh, I got started with New Phyrexia. You know, that sounds like a lot of Magic stories, or that sounds like a lot of player Magic player stories. They kind of played when they were younger, and then they left and came back. Yeah, that was still during uh, Jace Standard. With Cobbler. Oh, yeah, I think you still got in in a really good time. Yeah. So I, I ended up uh, living in uh, Hamamatsu, which is in uh, Shizuoka. They usually have Grand Prix in Shizuoka. And uh, I started playing competitively when I got to, to Nagoya in 2011. Um, that's you know when I started to pick up you know magic more seriously. Uh, mostly standard or yeah mostly standard at first Mm -hmm. and uh i uh was a pretty pretty serious player i played a lot played almost like every day whenever i could uh i i won uh, a pro a pro tour qualifier Uh, i beat saito tomaharu uh in the top eight of one event and and spiked that and ended up going to uh pro tour journey into mix um but as far as Frontier is concerned, I uh, pretty much picked that up as soon as it was announced over here. So I think it was about maybe a year and a half ago, the end of 2006, no, 2015, I believe, right? Or 2016. I think it was 2016, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, so was there another part of the question? I lost track of mine. No, that's great. Uh, we're just you know getting to know you a little bit. So, how has the uh, the frontier scene been out there at Hiruya? I mean, we, that is the birthplace of frontier. Uh, well, it's it's very aggressive, and it's totally different from the Untapped Iron League. Um, there's a lot more attack of red. There's a lot more ramming up red. There's a lot more Jeskai Tempo. Um, nobody is messing around. Oh, there are a couple people that like to mess around, but uh, there's a lot of serious people. But they, they have the, the same, how do I say, motivation, not motivation, but they have the same enthusiasm that everybody on the uh, Untapped League has, I think. So you feel like they take Frontier pretty seriously out there? Yeah, I and mean, they, they enjoy it. But it's not like some kind of, um, how do I say, uh, you know, a casual thing. Yeah, I mean, these people, you know, I, I see the same people all the time. You know, it's always the hardcore players. I go there, and then from time to time they get some other friends to show up. So, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's a good group, good community. Uh, a lot of people, you know, help each other out, you know, give each other advice and, and whatnot. 
I'd say about 20 to 30 regular Frontier was at Hallelujah. So um, you were you were speaking just now about how Atarka Red and Jeskai Tempo are really popular in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I've been noticing that there's been kind of a... Not kind of. There's been a serious lack of a particular archetype in Japan, and I was wondering what your take on it would be in that I haven't seen mid-range really have a chance to get a foothold in Japan recently. Um, either because players don't want to play it, or um, it, it just, like, the either maybe the Japan meta is too fast. Like, what's your take on that? mean decks such as, like, Abzan Agro or... Abzan Ninja. Abzan Agro, Junt Delirium. Um, In terms of slower combo decks, Marvel would be one that comes to mind. Um, We've seen some Marvel, but yeah, really the Abzan deck is what I think of as mid-range. I mean, certainly the Eldrazi deck we've been seeing, but that's kind of a standout just online. I think that the metagame here is really punishing. Like, if you... If you use a land drop, hmm. if you, you know, make a mistake, you're going to capitalize. These players are so technical. You know, they, they know exactly what to do in any situation. So even though, like, this is a, a casual format, then these are some pretty high players. Okay. So follow-up question. Um, you say that if you miss a land drop, that the Japanese hmm. meta punishes that. Um, I have found that, I mean, in my own personal playing, that Abzan has the the card quality to back up a missed land drop, or let's be honest, I mean, the mana base in Abzan isn't that great. <laughs> um, comparatively, I mean, in the rest of the wedges, it's equally not that great. However, um, the card quality is not necessarily there. So why do you think that that uh, something like Jeskai Tempo with Mantis Riders and Stoke the Flames is able to um, get a foothold in Japan where Abzan Aggro is not? Well, I know some people are still exploring the format. So, for, for example, like, like uh, Tarka Red, uh, a lot of people are... Or I wouldn't say a lot, but maybe a good amount of the people are straight from standard. So they had ramming up built already, and they really had to buy like their uh, type of commands. Um, it's for the Jeskai deck. I think people dislike the evasion. You know, I think uh, right now in the format, it's it's really hard to deal with flyers. And I think people like to be to have that chance that that choice to go over over the top of other players. I'd agree that there's not a lot of answers to flying and not a lot of flying outside of smuggler's copter, which is usually attacking. Mm. So I can see where in a format where there's more creatures that the evasion there would be quite useful. Yeah, it's and the, uh, kind of remarkable how few flyers we have in Frontier, and so a card like Smuggler's Copter is able to run away with the game, but Mantis Rider is able to type. steal it back. <laughs> And yeah. I don't know if you guys saw like the last couple uh, events. There's also a so a uh, blue white flyers deck that's been doing really well. Hmm. Basically, using, I don't think I've seen that one yet. Basically, using all the spirits, um, the the old one with like Addison and and Smugglaptor and Queller and and stuff like that. It showed up, I believe, in like two top eights. So hmm. flyers are dangerous. Yeah, one of our teammates. Uh... <laughs> So Ryan and I are on a are on a testing team together now, at least for the time being. Um, one of our teammates has been really enjoying that blue white flyers list and has been trying to innovate Collected Company with it. Um, hmm. So it, it it seems like the deck might be able to actually get a shot. I don't know if favorable wins did was that original list running favorable wins, Ryan? I think so. Not, yeah, I don't I don't sure. know if that. Uh, card is going to be able to really make make headway in Frontier, but I think that whoever was running the Blue White Flyers list is onto something, and it's mm. definitely a classic archetype. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to save your guys as well. There's selfless spirits in there, and Queller can stop any kind of removal. You know, that's at you know, three or less. So, it's it's a good deck. Okay, so Ryan, something that we really wanted to talk about, well, one reason we really wanted you on the show, is we know you've been talking with some of the professional Magic players in Japan, 
you've been trying to grow some interest in the format. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Who are some of those players? What kind of your plan is with this? Well, I haven't really talked to any of the professionals, per se, but I have talked to Saito. I proposed okay. the idea of uh, perhaps having like a, a future uh, article or a future um, like a video series that uh, has players, like pro players, uh, in, mm. in Japan. Or hopefully this can spread all over the world eventually. But hopefully he can... Uh, Ask people that work at Hallelujah, you know, like Yuta Takahashi or uh, Kenji Sumura. Hopefully, uh, it gets them to try out the format to play against people, and uh, then afterwards, you know, get them to kind of talk about the format a little bit, and you know, say you know what kind of things do they like about it, what do they think it needs. I think it would be a good way to help promote the the format a little bit better and also to create more, how do I say, visibility. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm still waiting to hear back from him. I haven't heard anything yet, so I'm guessing he's talking it over with his staff and seeing how viable it is. But I think Mm -hmm. it would be a really cool idea, you know, every month we get like a new matchup against somebody and maybe, you know, these pros will see the format of Defe and find some really cool, you know, decks. That'd be really cool. I think that that'd be a good way to spread the format. It would work better there than really anywhere else in the world, I think, with the uh, popularity of Frontier there. I said, I also think there's there's not enough focus on casual play in, in Frontier. I mean, it's a casual format. I think we should... There's still a lot of brew space. You know, if we focus more on having fun, I think that can attract more players because right now, if you're thinking of it as a competitive format, there's so many other competitive formats that are trying to use the same player base and that spreads things really thin. Okay. And that makes sense. We're certainly guilty of that as spikes. And I think other people have said, Hey, make a little more content that's friendly to those newer players to frontier mm. or just players that are. So I, I'm, I'm certainly happy to talk a little bit more jank anytime people want to, but uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to focus on what, what's working for people. What's working for people in frontier anywhere around the world. I mean, I've definitely been playing way more with Jank lately, so I'm <laughs> I'm absolutely open to, you know, clearing room in this episode to talk about brews and talk about what we've been liking that's unconventional, unconventional and talking about um, archetypes that aren't necessarily um, well-established that we enjoy in this format. Well, I think even some of... I love Jank. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that some of the decks that we've seen Ryan place well in tournaments, you know, we, we've kind of called it out before when we are following these Japanese tournaments, and we see, hey, someone that we know, someone that we play with on our UOL is doing well with these decks, and decks that aren't normally seen, like the uh, the Mardu Tokens deck yeah. that you've done quite well with. Um, lately, you've been playing this kind of ramp deck. Yeah, still working on that one. Are there any other... Uh, big signature decks that you want to talk about a little bit otherwise we're gonna we are gonna touch more on some fun brewery decks later on in the the segment tonight do you mean other decks like that i've been working on or do you mean decks that i've seen in the format that i think uh are kind of interesting this is your spot to talk about whatever i'm actually i'm actually kind of excited about that red white control deck Ooh, okay, yes. Uh, I think, the uh, red-white super friends, right? The one yeah, with Gideon yeah. of the Trials and Nahiri. I don't know if you guys tried it out. Maybe, I don't know. I forgot who said they were trying it out, but they said it was more powerful than than uh, they thought it would be. Maybe it was uh, Side Turkey. Maybe it was Matt. Hmm. I had been trying the deck before it really showed up in Japan. I didn't end up playing it because I knew that there was going to be a lot of Emrakul in our meta, yeah. and I didn't think it would be good against that specific. And like I said earlier, there's tons of aggro over here, so it's like a great deck. It's it's a very meta deck. You know, it was playing okay. like you know, settle the wreckage and fumigate, and over here everyone's playing you know, Tarka Red. Everyone's playing uh, Insul Artifact. Everyone's playing um, you know, Jessica. So it was a great meta call, and I think that's why it came in second place in that uh, big 67 person tournament. Yeah, I think that the reason why it would do well in Japan and doesn't necessarily do well in our online league is that card advantage doesn't appear to be, like, a really big thing in Japan other than with uh, Dark Jeskai. Mm -hmm. Like, the Jeskai Blacklist seems to be the only one that's really focusing on, like, a control game Mm -hmm. over there. Yeah, good. Um, good. And that's... I imagine that's the Boros List's worst matchup. Yeah, Grixis hasn't been too popular recently. 
I mean, we've definitely seen it in a couple recent tournament reports that we've read, but um, I I mean, coming firsthand, if 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 you're saying it, then it's probably true. I've seen a lot more S four. So, Kevin, what about something like Archivorzaka in that red-white list? That's something that I've been kind of looking at lately as a good way to get card advantage in a deck that doesn't have blue for the late-game card draw. Archivorzaka, um, it's an Ascend land, right? Yeah, the Ascend land. So it's not a big deck-building cost because you're putting in a land slot, and then you can draw a card every turn if you have it late-game. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> Ryan will attest to this. Uh but white is particularly great at producing a lot of permanents. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly is, yes. Um, so I think that Wizards has been looking for a way, most recently, to provide card advantage to white in a way that's repeatable and in a way that's in t- that's eternal and in a way that is powerful throughout a lot of formats. Hmm. Um, and I've been I've been looking quite a bit at Archivorazka just because, like. Um, it seems like a card that can get it there. And I've particularly been experimenting with ways to ramp outside of green and ways to draw outside of blue. Um, and it hasn't been that hard. So, <laughs> so ramping, are you thinking things like Legion's Landing? like Exactly, the like the Night Flip the Lands. I, I don't know what your take on it is, Ryan, but in my opinion, like the flip lands in the Ixalan mm-hmm. block are absolutely groundbreaking. Like oh, like uh, Ascanta, Ascanta, yeah. uh, e- like Ascanta, Legion's Landing. Um, it helps those dread advances so blasting cannons. Um, the Profane Procession, the black-white mm-hmm. one. The black-white one, yeah. Um, Path of Metal has been one. We'll talk a lot <laughs> about it a little later. I built a whole deck around it. Um, that one's been amazing. Um, yeah, and Journey to Nowhere has been really good in EDH. Um, Hedana's Climb mm-hmm. has been uh, pretty good in certain archetypes. The uh, Hardened Scales deck, I've seen people using that a lot. Yeah. I played against a couple of those over here. Yeah. Yeah, Katie Hansaker has been trying that out as well in hardened scales and it seems to be pretty solid yeah, it's a nasty card yeah for sure <laughs> you can flip it, like, pretty much when it comes down it just steals games yeah. it's incredible all right so i think we're kind of moving on to what i want to talk about today as long as we've got ryan on here we just you know we like to talk some magic other than just interviewing him so what i thought we were going to talk about is a topic of uh rivals of ixalan looking back now that we've had a little time to mm-hmm. test with it why don't we we see what some of the impact has been. Some of the cards that we thought were going to be good, if they've been good, some of the cool brews that we're hoping to come out of here. Just kind of a short topic for uh, now that we've done some testing. And uh, Ryan, since you're the guest on the show, Sky and I will talk your ear mm-hmm. off, so just feel free to jump okay. in any time. We'll try and make room for you. to. Uh, we want to hear your okay. opinions on this, too, because really, you know, we've got you here right. as the expert. <clears throat> well, so. I think that <laughs> one that we're all really excited about is Wayward Sword Tooth. So I think we should just start with that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the other big reason we wanted you on the show. It's just because we're all really hyped on Wayward Sword right now, I think. <laughs> but, like, low-key... Finally, you guys have seen the life. <laughs> low-key hyped? I was never off it. I almost ran uh, Swordtooth with Sahili combo, fourth mm. league. I almost oh. ran my green-white Swordtooth into the fourth league as well. So, <laughs> just yeah. so that you're aware, we were both highly considering this card. I mean, it's just totally broken with Tireless Tracker. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. Whatever else the shell happens to be that builds around it, I think that there's a deck that has four Wayward Sword Tooth and four Tireless Tracker in it for sure. Act four is a bit too much. I think you think is, four Tireless Tracker is too no, much. I think four of the Wayward Sword Tooth is too much. Is it because it can't block? Yeah, right away it can't block. I think like in the deck that I'm using for season four is a, a Jund Landfall deck that capitalizes mm-hmm. on all those triggers, you know, from playing all your lands. And it's also using mm-hmm. the es- excava- or sorry, excavator. So, like, even if you get stuck on three lands, but you have a fetch in the graveyard, you can just keep playing your fetch over and over and over again to get, you know, the, the lands you need. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's a fun interaction. Totally breaks. Right. All math, it, it breaks. Um, was I, I'm playing Embodiments of Fury, so you get, like, all these three threes. 
Um, you can make your mm-hmm. seven advocates four fives like on turn three. Mm-hmm. It's well, maybe not three, maybe more like turn four, but still, it's crazy. Yeah. So I noticed that you've been playing a nihilist. Um, it, not nihilist is in someone who believes that life is nothing, but <laughs> a, a list that is in Naya colors. Um, and I I wanted to talk a little bit to you about have you have you looked at my green white sword tooth list at all since we're on the same team and whatnot? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the the list. Uh, were you talking about the fight okay. club one, or is that a different one? Sorry, uh, ask me again. Is that your fight club, the Naya fight club one? No, Naya Fight Club's a totally okay. different list that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, we don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so the the Green White Sword Tooth list is one that I've been testing quite a bit. It's one that I built with Matt Murday. Um and it's it's one that just really has a lot of upward potential. Um, you'd be really pleased to know that I haven't dropped a match against a Tarka Red with it, and I've played four. So, um, it's not too surprising. How do you deal with the, uh, the, the damage? Like, do you have any life gain in there? So I've got two mainboard, two sideboard pulse of Marasa. Mm. And then I'm running three. Okay. So, so before we get into this, um, the thing that I wanted to talk about that is really different in my list than, um, what I've seen in your list is that, um, I think that what, a lot of what you're going for is like, you know, what are we going to do with all these lands? Landfall triggers are awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. outside of Tireless Tracker, I'm not really going for that. Instead, like, my philosophy has been how many mana sinks can I cram into one deck? Mm. And that's another way to, to, to build the deck, I think. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's it's a back-end versus front-end design, I think. Well, that, um, that- just goes to show it's it's a it's a really good developing archetype. Right. I think that there's a lot of headroom in it, which is mm-hmm. something... There's a crazy amount of options. That, that's what I was going to bring up, is that there's so many options with it. Like, I haven't even really tried Collective Company with it. I have tried See the Unwritten with it, which is quite cool. Mm. There, there, There's a lot of ways you can go bigger, you can go a little smaller, you can go wide with tokens. Mm-hmm. You can even go what I was also testing and put a combo deck in it, because... Well, what I saw is that the biggest problem with the sword tooth is that you get hit by a sweeper and your everything goes away. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, you put Sahili combo in there. I don't care if back. <laughs> yeah, you, you respond with a sweeper right after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feel free to tap out on turn five or six when I'm ramping. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways we can go with sword tooth still. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures I've shared of like my Jun deck turn four Omnath with like six triggers. Oh yeah, I saw that exactly. I mean, it can absolutely be broken sometimes. I'll have to dig and show you some pictures from my um, from my green white sword tooth testing. But mm-hmm. there was a point where I had like a thirteen thirteen um, warden of the first tree nice. attacking alongside a wayward sword tooth and two carnage tyrants with a Nissa <laughs> and an Ashaya token left back for blockers. Two and Sylvan what, Advocates what and this? like two Lumbering Falls available and like eighteen lands in play. <laughs> what turn was this? <laughs> it's it's like amazing. Six, You're seven? like, what format is this? <laughs> probably, yeah. no, he's saying what what turn is it? But yeah, probably pretty yeah. late in the game. But still, that, it was, I think it, it was like crazy. turn eight. <laughs> yeah, that's still not bad. So all right, yeah. so I'm going to move to another question about Rivals of Excellent Impact was kind of our main topic here. I know we got mm. deep into Sword Tooth. This is something I've been wondering for a while and haven't had a good person to ask, but. What happened to Merfolk? Like, I know a lot of people were talking about it Merfolk? before the season. Yes, Merfolk. Merfolk. <laughs> um, so, like, horse I, people? Other people were testing it. I, I, I myself wasn't testing it. I was like, oh, yeah, my teammates will figure out if it's good. Or I know a bunch of people will be playing it. Let's bring some hate for it. But kind of just disappeared. I, mm. I haven't seen anyone talking about it. I haven't seen anyone playing with it. And I know there was a lot of versions out there, too. Like, people were trying different splashes. They were trying Collected Company. They were trying Hardened Scales. Mm-hmm. And... It's fallen off the face of the earth. What happened to it? I just think there's not enough people testing. Um, you know, we only have, like, what, 40, 50 people, um, and everyone's got decks that they want to try out, decks they want to play, and we just don't have enough bodies or we don't have enough minds to work with it. Okay. I think that in terms of resource management as well, I don't think that we had enough time. Like, mm-hmm. I would spend a whole weekend jamming a game of Merfolk, 
And I would be like, I learned nothing about this, about this archetype. I, I learned that uh, Deep Root Champion is not a good card, but Deep Root Elite is amazing. Like, I learned that uh, Silver Gill Adept is still great, like, in any format where it can be played. Um, and that's about it. Like, I had some really explosive games. It was like this 80-20 thing where it was like, all right, the games where I'm winning, it feels really, really powerful. It's really, really close to being good, I think. Yes, absolutely. Like, it, it, it's just a matter of time before that deck gets broken in standard and therein gets broken in frontier. Well, Dominera should have okay. a couple more Merfolk, I think. I think so as well. They, I mean, we started in Dominaria, and Lord of Atlantis was in Alpha, so. All right, that sounds good. Do you want to talk about it in the other tribes? I know that I'm really the only one who still thinks that vampires are pretty strong, although. (laughs) The only one in the whole wide world. I have finally reached a thing is that blue-black control right now, they just don't have the answers for it. I think it's very similar to, like, the mono-white humans deck, where it's a very powerful deck. And it's very good against other aggro decks, but it doesn't have a great way to come back mm-hmm. from sweepers. The life, the life gain is great. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, what I like about vampires, what I like about vampires is that every one of their creatures is a lord. So you've got just like everyone dumps counters on everyone else, everyone pumps each mm-hmm. other up. You've got so many ways to just get really big creatures on the board, which are hard to deal with, but well, still doesn't beat a few. That's kind of why they made that. Alenda, the Dusk Rose, I think is an anti-board sweep mm-hmm. uh, card. But I don't mm-hmm. know in Frontier if you want to be playing that in uh, a vampire deck. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, she was a 4-mana 1-1. One, one. See, I've been playing her with uh, in Standard in a Black-White Tokens deck uh, with Hidden Stockpile. So basically you play her and you just keep stacking your tokens each turn. She gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if someone tries to exile her, you just you know, exile her as well. So maybe she doesn't belong in in a vampire deck, but I think she might be alright in a future tokens deck in Frontier. I yeah, most try definitely. That. I actually really like that tokens deck in Standard. Uh, it's, it's just actually really good at forcing the board to be wiped by itself mm-hmm. by running for Fumigate and a mm-hmm. number of Settle the Wreckage. It's, so. it's back-breaking against Aggro as well because she has a lifelink and creates more lifelink. Yeah, I think the problem there is that if I'm running a four drop in black white tokens, I'm running Gideon, and then I'm running Soren, and then I'm running mm. Anointed Procession. It gets really hard to find a spot for uh, something like that. Mm. Well, it should be like a two of at the most. Okay. Okay. So while we're on the subject of tokens, I think that's kind of your uh, your claim to fame, yeah. as it were. It's my fourth. <laughs> What do you want to say about tokens in terms of uh, why people should try it and what is the draw to it? And, like, here, here I'm coming at you as, like, hey, I'm an Atarka Red player. Mm-hmm. Why should I consider tokens over it? Uh, because of the life gain. It's going to make uh, a lot of the aggro players bang their head against the table when you play, like, five or six tokens and then a Soren or... You know, if you have like a turn, you know, a, a turn one, you know, Legion's Landing and flip it on turn turn three, you know, to keep on making those lifelink bodies. Uh, I think it just has so much more, so many more resources than an Atarka player. If you can beat me in those, you know, first few turns, it's great. But once I start playing like my, you know, secure the waste for five and... You know, I get my Soren emblems on the table. It's it's going to be impossible for for uh, Red decks to get any value against me. I hear that for sure. Um, I I think that one thing that I've really, as I've been watching you play this this deck, um, <clears throat> something that I've really appreciated about it is it feels like a an entirely different of dimension of Gideon. Mm than what I've seen in other decks, where it's just like, yeah, so I've got this Planeswalker, and he's he's making a whole lot of tokens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he swings for a lot of damage, and then other times he just pumps the squad, and then other times, like, he's just going to keep making a body to block you every single mm-hmm. turn. 
Yeah, I've actually used him 80% of the time as an anthem. I almost never attack with... I attack him sometimes as a creature if I draw him late game. But, uh, you know, early game, it's usually just an emblem because it puts a faster clock. And especially if you're playing with Goblin Bushwhacker. You know, mm. you Goblin Bushwhacker with uh, Gideon Token and it's like a Goblin Rebel Master is just insane. That's a lot of damage. Yeah. And it's like, you can answer this? If you can't, it's pretty much game over. Yeah, I've so, definitely seen you steal some wins with the deck. We, we've watched a couple of your matches. So I play another deck that has a lot of life gain. Um, mm. And it's also popular in Japan. And I'm sure that it's been it's something that you've talked about with other players in Japan and something that's come up for you. So how do you think that tokens compares to banned humans? Oh, I mean, well, banned humans has maybe a lot more answers, I would say. there's. I mean, white gives you so many great sideboard uh, sideboard uh, choices. You know, when you got Thalia, um, mm-hmm. if you play her early, and my whole you know, idea is swinging or, like, casting a, a big Secure the Waste into a Bushwhacker next turn, then that's going to put a wrench, you know, into my plans. So... Mm-hmm. It depends, I think. Um, if I can attack fast enough, you know, if I'm swinging, you know, early with a lot of tokens and get like a Gideon emblem down, I think I have a, a good chance of beating that, uh, bat humans. But uh, later in the game, I think that the game probably goes to bat humans just because their creatures are stronger, they're bigger. I can't push through them. So why do you think that? tokens has an appeal over bant humans as another another deck that produces a lot of creatures and gains a lot of life and has a lot of answers against a red aggro deck well it's better against board wipes tokens is amazing against board wipes uh it's languish is nothing to it um what other cards like fumigate isn't a problem any other sorcery speed hmm. uh you know board wipes just you know, I can come back the next turn and attack with, like, six creatures. You know, I just play, you know, Bushwhacker into, like, a Raise the Alarm with a Legion's Landing, and you're down ten. You know, at board wipe. Yeah. So There is something to be said for, like, the, the surprising amount of resilience. Yeah. And um, tokens just always feel so disposable. It's, it's amazing. It's like, yeah, block with uh, my 1-1. One, one. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think you guys are both right. I think those are both very uh, resilient decks, and I think both have some ways to come back. I, I agree where you, you know, I wouldn't have thought to consider them similar decks, but I can certainly see how they would be with life gain, with yeah. um, cards that give you the extra cards. Yeah, life gains, and, you know, it hits hard, and so the sideboard is great because uh, well, I'm playing Mardu, so you have access to, like, all the great mm-hmm. sideboard cards in each of those colors. Yep, <laughs> pretty much all of them. Unless you want, like, Shaper yeah, Sanctuary or probably something. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that the one other, just that I know we wanted to talk about as far as impact of Rival of Ixalan is w- what's ever happened with the Naya Fight Club? You know, we hyped it up during the uh, <laughs> our, our Rivals of Ixalan episode, and we never really came back to it. <laughs> yeah. Until recently, it sounds like. You got something for us, Kevin? I got a ton. I've, oh, man. I've been obsessed. I've, I've been on a deep run with this deck. Um, okay, so so here's the question: Is it all about Path of Metal, or are we trying to get these enraged triggers? Are you playing like the um, uh, the two two that becomes a four four, and the the four five that draws cards, or are we just going Path of Metal ways to flip it? And Path of Metal ways to colors? flip it, and surprisingly, a lot of indestructible and a okay. lot of above uh, curve bodies. So basically, like. The thing that I have found to have... Okay, so, like, the thing that, like, really turns heads in the deck is Reckless Rage. Oh, that card is sweet. So that's that's another one coming out of of, uh, Rivals. Yeah. So, um, basically, like, the the massive appeal to it is that every creature in the deck other than Thalia, Heretic Cathar, can Mm -hmm. live a Reckless Rage. And so, because of that, like... You can just, like, uh, attack with a Sylvan Advocate and 
do two damage because they're like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to block that, whatever. And then you you destroy their creature <laughs> that is planning to attack you for three damage next turn. And oh, yeah. it's it's that's really appealing. And Monastery Swift Spear is the one drop that I picked that... Um, the reason why I like it is because it has a surprising amount of synergy with Dramoka's Command and with Reckless Rage and with Path of Metal, where it's does, like, yeah. um, you know, it it triggers Path of Metal in that, like, if you attack with Monastery Swift Spear and another creature, it'll flip Path of Metal. Um, okay, so it, if anyone's confused, we're talking about Reckless Rage. That's the, the one mana that deals four to a creature and two to one that you control. We're also talking about Path of Metal, that really weird card that deals one so to every weird. creature that doesn't have First Strike, Vigilance, Double Strike, or Haste, I believe. Correct. Those are the four. And then it, if you attack with two of those kind of creatures, it flips over into a land that just you win the game. <laughs> so that, Have you been playing Goblin Rebel Master with that card? That seems awesome. I've really been considering Goblin Rebel Master. Um, can can we, what is the wording of that? Haste Do those tokens keep haste after the turn they come down? They have they haste. Yeah, they just have haste. With haste. Okay, yeah. good. Because some some of them are those creatures gain haste. That's really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I played I played that at a frontier event a couple weeks ago, and I I asked the judge. He's like, "Yeah, they have haste." Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah, um, what what what's your take been on drops? path of metal? Because, yeah, that's that's definitely what I wanted to build the deck around, and that's really what's been really impressive, are Reckless Rage and Path of Metal being, like, the best parts of the deck. What's my take? What's your take on Path of Metal? I think it needs a couple more cards before it can really be competitive. Uh, right now, if you're just playing, like, your Monastery Swift Spears and whatnot, I mean, what's the difference between that and, like, a mono-red deck? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, you know that's I mean? a lot of what... Um, Matt's been asking me because he has been really gunning for Naya Fight Club to be an actual deck because Path of Metal is just a really impressive card. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the question right now is what's the right combination of Vigilance, Haste, and First Rate Creatures that you want to be playing? Oh, and Menace, doesn't that work too? It sounds more like a mid-range deck to me than an aggro deck. Yeah, that's something that he said... And it plays a lot like a mid-range deck, except that it spills its hand like an aggro deck more. Mm. So it plays late game pretty well in that you've got, like, Ronus and Gideon and um, Thalia and Hazaret all kind of getting in there. And then, like, you flip this land that's really good that pretty much just says, like, don't attack into me or your creature's going to die. And, mm. <laughs> like... If My if you decide not to attack, care. I'm just going to do two damage to you every turn. So, yep. So, Sky, are you running the um, or Kevin? Are you running the, the? One of the other things I really like with Reckless Rage is Soulfire Grandmaster. Are you running hmm. that in the main or the sideboard? I'm not, because it doesn't synergize with Path of Metal very well. I guess so, but you, you mean you play it and you gain six with that in play against something like a Tarka Red. That seems really, really strong. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't flip it. And like the the thing that I'm focused on with that card is I want to flip it. Okay, so you're a little bit all in on that path metal for sure. Yeah, okay. that's that's what I built the deck around this time. So, all right, guys, why don't we talk um, just general? I mean, those are kind of the topics I really want to discuss. Do you have any other real rivals of Ixlon cards that you think this is something that's super affected the meta or that uh, you think you may guys, in the future? Sorry, have you guys talked about Jade Light Ranger yet in Frontier? No. So, I mean, like, I tried to bring uh, up Merfolk. I think a lot of the Merfolk haven't been seeing the play they maybe could be. Like, Jade Light Ranger has been showing up in the. Um, Hearted Scales decks over here. I think I've seen that a couple times because you know you play it and you get like a total of four counters on it. Possibly, you know, yeah. If you, if you explore it twice. Um, now, it also, does stand out. There was a time my opponent played the J Light Ranger. He had I think a Hardened Scales and a Snake in play, and I hit it with one ping off of my uh, Walking Ballista, and he just like he rethought his whole life. <laughs> in you can response still kill it. to explore before yes, in you response do the to thing. explore before it gets eight, eight counters or whatever it gets 
But as a mana fixer as well, I think like, I think not only in hardened scales, I think Jade Light Ranger could show up in a lot of other like green mid range strategies. Okay, th- yeah, that's a good question because I think that's something that uh, Matt, who again isn't on the show tonight, but uh, Tim and I were talking about a little bit, is how good this kind of creature is in just sort of a green aggressive deck that wants to fill its graveyard. Mm. Yeah, like you've a, got more this like beat down than than aggro. Yeah. So yeah. something that we have in Frontier that isn't available in standard that I've been re- that I've really been enjoying is that you can run a lot of bicycle lands in a deck mm-hmm. because our shards are better than our wedges. Mm. Yes. So I don't know if you guys have played green red monsters in standard at all, but uh, certainly yes. <laughs> the thing that like really impresses me about Jade Light Ranger in that deck is that like oh okay sure I draw two lands yeah but one of them is this you know um, what's the what's the red green one I think it's Sheltered Thicket no that's that's green Ooh, light that sounds um ah, shoot I think that's correct the one with the pointy things. <laughs> It might be sheltered thicket. Yeah, so I think anyway, so you better. draw the red green cycling land, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't lose anything because I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to get card advantage, and now I can turn this into a real card. So, oh, you were right on sheltered thicket. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I I've been thinking about well, like, what if we did this in a jond list? You know, like, what mm-hmm. if we did this in a bant list where it's just like. All right, we're playing a Jade Light Ranger, and you get two cycling lands, and you can turn one of them into a tireless tracker and get the get a clue off the other one, or whatever it happens to be. Like, hmm. I think that is ground that can be broken. Or you throw away a Scrap Heap Scrounger into your yard, something like that. Right, exactly, where it's just like, you know, like, the the thing that I really like about that deck is that it enjoys both sides of Explore. It wants yeah. to hit its land drops, and it also wants to be getting big creatures. So Yeah, I think that's where Explore, Explore is at its best, is when you want the card in the yard, or you want the card draw, or like, where, where both sides are good. Right. Well, I mean, technically, all three sides. Yeah, because you could also leave it on top. That's right. like when I was playing um, with the Branch Walker. I would be, okay, if it's a collective company, I'm leaving it on top. If it's a creature I'm putting in the yard, and the only other things in the deck are lands, that's all draw. Right, and then you'll have card advantage. So, mm-hmm. all right. Any other cards from Rebels of Ixalan that you guys want to give one last kind of shout out to here? Yeah, I kind of like Delta, Primal Hunger. You know, if we're talking about trying to make mid range decks work, I think Delta deserves a, a mention. True, I mean, we it... did kind of forget about her because she was one of the first things spoiled was Galta. Mm-hmm. Like I tried her out in a uh, CD unwritten deck. You know, you're putting out all these. <laughs> bodies on the on the on the floor and especially with all the mana creatures even if you're just playing mana creatures first couple turns you can you know get her out on like turn four maybe ryan we got to compare notes because i have a sweet cd unwritten list that's kind of nice. been a nice <laughs> i really want you two to talk because yeah it's like your lists look really similar to me it's because company for fatties you get that sword tooth or the yeah. sawtooth again sword tooth is great <laughs> oh yeah sword tooth yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing Ronis, and I think I could play Swordtooth in there as well instead of more uh, mana creatures. I'd rather have Swordtooth than mana creatures. Hmm. Uh, I've been running Whisperwood Elemental, which is really hard to kill right now, I think, in the format, mm-hmm. and is another nice way to stop the sweepers, which otherwise hurt the deck. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know... trend that we're seeing, at least in the online league, where you want creatures that don't get hit by Fatal Push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and you want creatures that also don't get hit by languish. Yeah, I'm updating a list now, for season five, and I'm I'm trying to do that thing just as you said. I'm trying to have more creatures that don't die to push without losing to the aggro decks. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of the the. Pen. And like, I think that the the reason why like tireless tracker stands out in terms of why it's. Why I'm okay with losing tracker to fatal push is that like if my tracker resolves, I'm pretty much drawing three cards off of her. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna crack a fetch and then I'm gonna play another fetch, crack that, and then draw a card immediately. You know, while I'm while I'm thinking about this uh, ramp deck, one thing I forgot to mention with the sword tooth earlier, or the yeah, the sword tooth earlier, is um feed the clan. Mm. That card is kind of been under the radar, but along with the sword tooth is always on and Two mana gain 10 is just such an, an I win button against a Tarka Red. 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that green has a lot of life gain options that have been very underplayed. Ooh, I, and mm. I was going to say, you guys should about Be the Clan and before you're talking about playing Pulse of Marasa, and I realized... In Pulse life, of Marasa, so good. It's decent. Oh, I it's love that card. Decent, but if you're playing Swordtooth, and especially in my deck where you have all these different land drops, you know, with like Ramanap Excavator and whatnot, what do you think about Retreat to Kazandu? <laughs> well, let me tell you about Retreat to Kazan too, because I had a. I actually have this deck in paper. It's mono green with main deck Retreat to Kazandu. And, um, oh god, what is that card? Uh, the six mana uh, the Colonian Twin Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's total jank, especially now that there's better ramp options. But, like, I just had to call out that that card can be a lot of fun. I, I gotta think, admit, I'm really not focused on landfall triggers in this. I'm looking at ways to to utilize my lands. So. I think as far as that specific slot, I would probably run the. Uh, sorry, what is the zero three? Um, the Jedi offshoot. Jedi offshoot. Yeah. I'd probably Jedi run that before I would run. But it, run it can't be aggressive. Retreat. That's what I don't like about it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's. Do you want to be gaining life, or do you want to be? Because I can retreat with mm. retreats. If you're fetching, you're gaining three life each time you fetch, instead of just having to play three lands to gain three life off Jedi. Yeah, but the thing that the thing that's really important to me about life gain in decks is what are you doing with that life that you gained, right? Like yeah. the reason why I really like like Glorybound Initiate with Dramoka's Command is because like I'm removing a creature, I am time walking two turns, mm. and here's the thing. I am also doing five damage to your face. Yeah, Ryan, I don't quite see your deck as really racing the Atarka decks. I feel like you get bigger and then they can't attack at all. So you'd rather yeah. gain the life a little but, early, but, have but the block. You don't want to go into the red too early. You need to divide until you can just smash them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also it gives you the option to uh, put plus one, plus one counters. So if you don't need the life, you can turn all of your uh, you know, mana creatures or your, your smaller guys into like huge beaters as well. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about it because I actually really like this card in a different deck in a different format. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you've been digging Amiria Shepherd in your landfall decks. <laughs> well, that's, Me that's or him? One. Oh, I don't oh, know. He's been trying it too. Yeah, yeah well, uh, Finkel. The, <laughs> I know that you've wanted to talk about Amiria Shepherd, so you'll probably cut that's in so at some good. point. But yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think I rebuilt my deck with. Sword tooth. Now that Amiria Shepherd's around, but there's certainly an option there. Yeah, I'm working on a Naya Landfall deck, kind of similar to my Junduan. So it still plays like Omnath and Embodiment of Fury, but mm. you know, in Wayward Sword Tooth as well. But uh, basically, the change is Amiria Shepherd. So you know, it doesn't matter if your Tireless Tracker gets pushed. You know, you can bring her out on turn four, possibly. You know, and then. Start bringing stuff back from your graveyard. I mean, it, seems, it seems good. It seems kind of grindy, though. Yeah, I've seen that card. You basically play it, and you have a land drop right away and just win the game. Mm. Like, I've done it, and, you know, I'll grab something like the, uh, what's the Hydra that grabs you a land, and then you grab something else, you know, you'll you'll pick up the Renegade Rallyer from your graveyard, grab a land from your graveyard, mm. draw a bunch of cards. <laughs> you can kind of loop with that and just instantly win with that card, but I, I don't like think Renegade it's quite Rallyer. there. You didn't like Renegade Rallyer in that time. I didn't think there was. I mean, other than fetches, if you don't draw a fetch, I mean, what are you? How are you gonna, you know, get any value out of it? Because there's not a lot of one or two drops, at least in my my build. Man, I yeah, that's that's where <laughs> I think we absolutely disagree on that because like I I've been playing a deck that has a lot of one drops and a lot of two drops, mm. and so like I'm running like four Sylvan Advocate, two Duskwatch Recruiter, yeah, and then. Three Warden of the First Tree and four uh, Elvish Mystic. Yeah. So I'm totally fine to like swing an Elvish Mystic into a yeah, I'll jump it with my or I'll block it with my Rhino. Okay, cool. Well, I'll Renegade Rally. So the Madness you know, like, does a lot better with it, I think. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's where I'm at. Is like I think that Renegade Rallyer is better in a deck that has mana sinks. Mm. Okay. And then if you just want to smash with landfall triggers, then it's probably not. As useful. I don't. I don't know if that's the deck for it. Maybe not. Yeah, I'm okay. with you there. So, kind of wrapping up what we were main topic here. We've gone a little bit off track. Is Rivals of Ixalan some of the impact? 
we we knew some of the big cards. We're still working on some of the cards we wanted to be good. I don't think there was anything that we were like, oh, this is going to be amazing, and then it just flopped. I, I feel like we were pretty reserved with our uh, initial ratings. So uh, I'm going to kind of bring us to the wrap-up of the show. Um, as you guys are hearing, we're back with our weekly cast now. Um, we should have our Untap Open League Top 8 locked. I think we've got it technically locked, but we're waiting on some breakers. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll tweet that out when it's done. Um, for our upcoming cast, something we're really excited about, I think we're going to be talking about what we're looking for in Dominaria as what we're thinking might be some options, what we're really hoping to see out of the set. That's something that I know Matt is crazy excited about. I'm quite excited. Something I'm really looking forward to. But uh, if you guys have anything you're excited about and you want to tell us before the cast, you can tweet us at MTG Frontier. You can find us at MTG underscore Frontier on Instagram. And we've got our Reddit, MTG Final Frontier. We also have our Discord there, which is a great way to communicate with us. Um, Ryan, if you have any contact or shout, you want to shout out. I know that you've got a great, um, you've got a great website yes. for some good frontier content. Yes, uh, www.thejapanhobbyist.com. I've been working on that since I've nice. since I've lived in uh, Japan. Uh, I have stuff about frontier on there. I have limited stuff. I have standard stuff. Uh, if anybody thinking of coming to Japan, it's a great resource. I got like a uh, store reviews of places I visited all around Japan. So definitely check it out if you're thinking of coming over here. Oh, that's really cool. And we'll link to that below in the show notes if you guys want to click it there. All right. Cool. And, uh, do you, I don't know if you have a, a Twitter as well, if yeah. you want to give them that. But Twitter is uh, at YoShwanky. Nice. So uh, if you follow me, I, I usually talk about uh, the Hallelujah events I go to as well as the other big standard events in Tokyo area. All right. Well, just once again, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. This was uh, pretty exciting. I know that I'm excited to brew some more decks. <laughs> Whenever I get to talk with another brewer, mm. you know, builds up that, uh, get, gets the clock turned. Yes. You need more excitement for the, the format. So hopefully in a couple <laughs> weeks, I'll hear back from Saito and, you know, we'll have an update for you. All right, we look forward to hearing that, and we look forward to seeing your name in the uh, the top eight of more lists coming out of Haruya. Yes, just one more thing. They have the God of Frontier coming up in March. Nice. So March? Yeah, in March, I believe. I think end of March, I believe. Actually, end, I always end get of... really, really excited for God of Frontier events. Is this one going to be streamed? It probably will be. Uh, they have, like, the top eight tables. Uh, I'm guessing it'll be just like the win a switch that had like 60 people. That's what I'm expecting, about 60 to 70. Nice. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Follow me on Twitter if you guys want more information. All right. And if we again. do find streaming information on that, we'll absolutely link it in the description for this show. All right, Ryan, you have a great rest of your morning. Kevin, you have a great rest of your night. And uh, as always, for everyone out there, we look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier Information Online. Your final frontier, signing off.